0: Well, we are continuing this conversation that we began last week. We we kicked off Pentecost Sunday with this this long series of looking into the Holy Spirit. I can't think of a better way to kick off Pentecost by focusing on the power, the presence, and the promise of the Spirit in our life, in this church, in this world. And we talk, and we started this conversation last week. And this conversation is going to last well into the summer. So I hope you're ready for that. I hope you're prepared. I know I said it last week, you do not want to miss a single week. I believe this is, for the season we're in, in the world, and in us as a church, as we are making some shifts and transitions, we're going to need to be reminded of the power, the presence, and the promise of the Spirit, and what His purpose and intent and desires are, for us, and how he wants to be active in our life, and how we need to allow him to lead us and guide us. So we're going to be looking at all these different metaphors and these pictures that were left for us in God's word by who? If we know the word, we know who inspired the written word of God, and that was the Spirit. So really what we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at how the Spirit describes himself to us. And today, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at several different passages. And if you want to follow along in your Bibles, that's great. Uh, We're going to be in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 here today. And we're going to just look at some of these pictures, some of these words that are going to set us up for the rest of this journey. I'm excited. Are you? Are we ready to dive in? All right, let's dive in. I can't recall the guy's name. Mario, maybe? Was it Luigi? Was it Raphael or was it Michelangelo? I know it was an Italian name. And he had this Italian look to him as well. He had this rugged, handsome look. Wavy, dark hair. Olive skin. Kind of like me, I guess, right? Right? He just had this appearance to him, scarf, hat. And as I was talking to him, he thought I was Italian. And when I said, well, I'm not, he said, well, at least you got to be Mediterranean, right? I said, actually, we're from Canada. He thought I was Italian, at least Mediterranean, and even suggested, as we were discussing, I probably should get a dual passport because I could easily pass for someone that's from Italy or throughout the Mediterranean. And I won't argue with that. But enough about how awesome he felt I was. He was an Italian tour guide. And he made his living guiding visitors around the Academia Gallery, the museum that shows off and has the statue of David. Now, Lisa and I realized as we got to the uh, the Academia Gallery, and we saw the line and how it just stretched all around the corner. And we're kind of looking, and there were some people standing along the sides in some doorways. And we're kind of looking at the line, we're trying to guess and asking some people that worked at the museum, how long do you think this is going to take? And, and of course, you know, they saw us kind of talking and thinking, like, do we want to wait in line? But it isn't important museum and we really want to see this and we start talking to some some guy and said listen you know I we can sell you a tour and you could be part of this group and we could get you in a lot quicker than what that line is currently showing you right now. Now when you're traveling and when you're a tourist, they're going to always say we could get you in a lot quicker than that line. This time he was 100% true. The person trying to do that to us at the Colosseum, we didn't believe them. We saw the line, and they're like, there is no way. And we got in way quicker by ourselves and actually enjoyed the Colosseum. But here we are in Florence, enjoying Florence, and understood the time crunch we had. So we didn't want to waste all of our time waiting. We wanted to get in. We wanted to encounter. We wanted to experience so we could move on and, and enjoy the rest of the city as well. So we asked him, do you have any openings? And he said, you know what? I don't, we're pretty full. He's like, how about I keep you two on my list? Because he's like, sometimes people just, they they come on the list, but they don't return because maybe they found something else or they're doing something else um, or they, they got involved with something else and they just didn't make it back. So let me put you on your list. Just as possible add-ons, come back in like half an hour and that's when the, that's when we'll get you guys in. And hopefully we can find a spot. So Lisa and I kind of just walked around for a little bit. Um, tried to keep Lisa out of the shopping areas to spend money. Um, so we, we came back and the guy's like, you know what? Um, everyone's actually here. But he's like, you know what? Let me go and ask. Let me see if I can squeeze you in. We know the deal, right? We know it's probably just part of their spiel say hey look how awesome we are we got two more tickets for you and he came back said okay you guys are in do you still want to do it so we did and we paid for it and and all that stuff to be honest it probably was one of the smartest decisions that we made while we were traveling throughout Italy uh, for those several weeks we could tell as we were talking to the tour guide we could tell this guy was not only knowledgeable but he was passionate. He was passionate for art. And he wanted us not to only experience it, but he wanted us to become passionate regarding the art that we were about to encounter. Listen, the guy thought I had these rugged, handsome looks and I was meditating. We're going to believe whatever he has to say, right? So as we walked through the museum, we got in a lot quicker than what we would have if we stayed in line and did it all on our own. As we're walking through the museum, and as these As he's bringing us to certain pieces, I'm assuming they were some some of the pieces that probably were recommended to see in the museum, but some of them I could tell were probably his favorites and maybe not on the recommended list. And he would bring us to all these different pieces from one piece to another to another, and he would just start describing what we were looking at, who the artist was, the time era of it, what was going on in that time, how he how he painted this, um, how, what was his thought process behind it all, and, and just, a, just he was knowledgeable, he was passionate. You could tell he had a passion for art. And as he got more passionate, I could see he was getting more passionate, because as we continue to go, I remember him saying, starting to say one phrase, a lot: you're going to love, you're going to love, you're going to love this, you're going to love this one. He just started saying, you know, you're going to love, you're going to love this. He was so excited about what he was showing us, and he was prepping us and building up the big masterpiece that everyone was there to see, and that was David. And as he was doing that, I was wondering in my own mind, would David, would it live up to all of this excitement and this hype that this guide was talking about, the guy was talking about this? Like, to be to be honest, I have seen David in person before. Right? This was not my first time in this museum. I had seen it probably about 20 years prior or so. I had seen David in the past. So I thought... So I knew what to expect. So I'm thinking, eh, is it really going to live up to this? I've seen it before already. So I'm already knowing what to expect. But when we finally got there, it was stunning. Nothing like I remembered when I was there 20 years ago. Before we got there, he explained the detail of the sculpture. How it was just this big slab of marble and, and, and how the artist just used these Primitive tools, really, from our perspective, and had this vision in his mind and just chipped piece of piece, chunk out of chunk, out of his big, huge slab, knowing what the end result was going to be. And he encouraged us to, to focus on that detail that maybe we would have bypassed. And we did. And it was stunning. It was stunning. Like we know, we can picture David in our mind and what it looks like. But if you go up there with some of the details and the knowledge, you look at it through different eyes, through a different perspective. And you get passionate and you stand in awe of this masterpiece. He talked about the detail of the, of the, of the veins in his arms and his hands. He talked about focus on, on how he was able to, to do the bones in the hand the eyes he said look at the eyes which as you look i'm seeing so lifelike and you wonder how did he do that how did he make this statue with so much detail and so lifelike and i noticed as we got to the statue i noticed our guide. he kind of just he stood out of the way he stood to the side And he allowed all of us to look and to study this masterpiece. And I noticed he was smiling. He was thrilled that we were thrilled. It's as if he lived to show people the statue of David. Now, wouldn't it be great if we had that same amazement, that same excitement about the greatest person who had ever lived on the earth? jesus christ would it not be great if we were just open-mouthed wide-eyed our heart rate picked up whenever we had an opportunity to hear or learn about christ wouldn't it be great if there was a tour guide a teacher of sorts who could lead us into Jesus' presence, who had this contagious enthusiasm that he shared with us so much so that he knew every detail and he could educate us and inspire us. So when we came to this presence, we would see these details that we've never thought of before. That we would have had have that same feeling that Lisa and, her, Lisa and I had on that day in Florence. Well, today, I want to try and convince you and tell you that that someone is here. That person is here. That living being, that teacher of Jesus Christ is here. Now, I don't recall the name of the guy in Florence, but Jesus made sure all of us would know the name of the guide that he left for us. And that guide's name is Paraclete. Paraclete. It is probably one of the richest Greek words in the Bible. It's only used actually five times in the whole entire Bible. And of all those five times, you can find them in the New Testament. And out of those five times, four of those times that this word was used, Jesus used that word himself. And of those four times, all of them were used the night before the crucifixion. So everything about this word, it really sets itself up for this high prominence here, right? The word paraclete appears in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And because those three chapters encompass his final message that Jesus gave his followers, it's often called the Upper Room Discourse. And sprinkled throughout this message, throughout this final message before his crucifixion, are several different references to the Holy Spirit. So if you could take all of those references from John 14, 15, and 16, and you compile them into one paragraph, this is how it would read. So I've compiled all of the times he, Jesus used the word paraclete, and I've compiled them all together, and I'm going to read them to what it would sound like if all of those verses were put together. Listen. Listen to these words. Hear the richness. Hear the depth of what Jesus is saying to his followers. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, paraclete, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you, but the helper, paraclete, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. But when that helper, paraclete, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear bear witness about me. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So many precious jewels are located in that paragraph. Don't you agree? Did you notice, as I read that, the unity in the Trinity here? In the final message that Jesus gives his followers, all three members of the Godhead are interplaying with each other. The Father will send the Spirit. The Spirit will speak what I tell him to speak. There is this happy interplay. There is this Cooperation in the Trinity that exists to send the Spirit to us. Please also note the pronoun that Jesus used over and over again. He used the pronoun he. The Holy Spirit is a person. And I've taught on this before. And this is a reminder the Holy Spirit is a teacher. So let's all agree as we go through this series. Let's all agree, and beyond this series, never to call the Holy Spirit it. I don't want to hear from you that I, say, I am so glad that we're, you're talking about it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Jesus uses that pronoun he, which declares to us the Holy Spirit is a person. A person that makes decisions a person who actually has feelings, a person who responds to prayers and who intercedes. Now, according to Revelation 2, the Spirit speaks to the churches. In Romans 8, we are told he intercedes for the believer. He leads and commands disciples. We find that in Acts 8. He even appoints elders. We find that in Acts 20. Did you know? that he can be lied to, Acts 5. Do you know that the Holy Spirit can be grieved? We find that in Ephesians 4. Did you know that the Spirit can be insulted? We find that in Hebrews 10. Do you know that the Spirit can be blasphemed? We find that in Matthew 12. The Holy Spirit is a person. You can't grieve, you can't insult, you can't You can't do any of that stuff. You can't lie to someone that's not a person. The Holy Spirit is a person with an intellect, with emotions, with a will. We believe this because this wonderful word of paraclete, which means this, to come alongside And that's the title of our message here, as a reminder of the Holy Spirit that he comes alongside of us. And this word paraclete means to come alongside, depending on the translation you might have in front of you. This word paraclete can be translated as helper, comforter, counselor, or advocate, there is this idea that he comes alongside and stands with you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That is what he's, how he is describing himself. That is how Jesus is setting the stage for the Holy Spirit, that he comes alongside and he stands with you. Why does he do this? What is his intent? Is he simply a divine companion who keeps us company? Well, that would be wonderful, right? But Jesus wants us to see that there is a reason. There is a purpose to his coming. He comes not just to keep us company, but he comes to teach us about Jesus. He seeks to enhance our understanding. Who would have imagined the invisible presence of God on earth invites you, invites me to enter into his classroom, and to learn from him. Do you understand that when you give your heart to Jesus, you were not only saved from your sins, you were not only given a sense of hope for eternity with him, but you were enrolled into the greatest seminary in the universe, and that that is that God becomes your teacher. The Spirit becomes your instructor. And he steps into your presence. He steps into your life to reveal things to you. Everyone on earth is trying to figure this life out, right? We all are trying to figure this out as Christians. We have this beautiful idea, actually, and this promise that we have not just a teacher who taught at some point in history, but a teacher who teaches. This is an ongoing present Tense thing it's a we have a teacher that continues to teach us today who is speaking to us who is revealing to us as we need to know it the knowledge that we need about this life that he has moved into our hearts actually and he speaks to us through his church he talks to us through his scripture and he is teaching us and continually revealing to us what we need to know in our current situations, what we need to know in our life. Here's the reality in all of this. We are not left alone with our questions. We're not left alone with the despair that comes from saying, you know what, I just, I don't know. You have a teacher that is waiting on you to consult him, to listen to him, and he will reveal to you what you need to know. He will help you sort this life out. He will save you from confusion and doubt. He will help you make sense of this life. And he does this by enrolling us in the only class of his university. And that's the class of Jesus Christ. Now, look at that this way. Look at this. The Holy Spirit is not just a teacher, but he teaches us about Jesus. That's what he wants us to know. So the Spirit comes to reveal Christ. The Spirit's desire is actually to lead us into the academia gallery of Jesus Christ and cause us to stand in awe in what we see. He wants wants to stun you with the story of the manger. He wants to enlighten you with the Sermon on the Mount. He wants to inspire you with the miracles we, we read about in the Gospels. He wants you to know what's so good about Good Friday and what's so wonderful about Easter Sunday. If you know anything about Jesus, if you know anything about Jesus in your life right now, it is because of what the Spirit has taught you. So he is our teacher, and he teaches, teaches us about Christ. So you may have heard, this phrase in your life, uh, a sp- spirit-filled church or a spirit-filled person. And according to this passage, these verses from John 14 to 16, we now know that a spirit-filled, what a spirit-filled church looks like. It's where Jesus has center stage. A spirit-filled person is a person who is in love with Christ and desires to know more. So the Spirit is going... The Spirit is going to show you many things in your life. He's going to give you many things in your life. Spiritual blessings, wisdom, understanding and guidance. But the highest goal of the Holy Spirit is to teach us about Jesus. A classic example of this is found in Acts. It involves two men. One you will recognize, the other you may or may not. The first name is Peter. We're all very familiar with Peter. The second is Cornelius. Now Cornelius, Cornelius was an important person in the Roman army. He was a Gentile. Now, how many of you remember or know that the Gentiles and the Jews, they really didn't like each other at all? However, God was working, touching the hearts of Gentiles, and one of them was Cornelius. And in Acts chapter 10, he is described as someone who actually feared God with his, all of his household and gave alms generously and prayed to God always. In fact, he was actually on a first-name basis with an angel as well. And one day, that angel told Cornelius to send for Peter. And Cornelius is probably thinking, that's not a great idea. I don't think Peter's going to want to hear from me, and he's definitely not want to go He's not going to come. And you're right, Peter didn't want anything to do with Cornelius. But, something happened. Something happened. And in Acts chapter 10, we see what's going on there. And starting in verse 19, we start to see this happening. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, so the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. This is a huge moment in the history of the church. Because Peter, when he obeyed, when he obeyed the Spirit, and he went to Cornelius' house, the entire household believed in Christ. And the Gentile world began to believe in Christ. And the doors were swung open, not just for the Jews, but also for us Gentiles. Note what the Spirit did here. Was it, now, was this the first time that Peter would have known that God has a love for all people? Absolutely not. He, was, he walked with Jesus. He knew that Jesus and that God love, had a love for all people. So the Spirit came and did exactly what Jesus said the Spirit would do. We read, it says, He will remind you all of the things I have said to you. That's exactly what the Spirit did when he came to Peter. And I wonder, has this ever happened to you? Has there ever been an occasion, a situation, in which all of a sudden something just comes to the surface at the perfect time? Maybe you were in a situation and all of a sudden this verse, out of, in your mind, out of nowhere, pops into your mind. Maybe it was a verse you remember maybe memorizing while you were a child. And here you are, decades and decades and decades later, this verse just pops up into your mind, out of the blue. And it was a verse that was needed for that situation, and it was relevant. And, and you needed that information. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to you? Because if it has, that is you experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life. This is the job of the Spirit. This phrase, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance. Isn't that interesting? That everything that's that, and everything you know about Jesus here today, that's because of the Spirit working in your life. Those situations in your life where all of a sudden something just pops into your head out of the blue, that's the, that is the working of the Spirit in your life. Now that phrase, bring to your remembrance, is more than then he will just repeat the words. It literally means he will make it feel relevant. It's kind of what, that's what this bring to your remembrance is meaning here that Jesus is saying is that the spirit will make it feel relevant. He will make that teaching feel relevant to the situation you find yourself in. It is the spirit Activating those verses that seem to appear out of nowhere. And that is the desire of the Spirit to bring in remembrance what you already know and to reveal things to you that you may not know. He is your teacher, He is the paraclete. You do not learn everything you need to know on the day of your conversion. As you walk through life, he either reveals or reminds what you need to know at that right time. He loves to teach us. He loves to see us learn. He loves to see you have breakthroughs. He loves for you to say, oh, I never thought of it that way. And we know that this is happening because when he teaches, when he teaches us, we have these great responses. Now, some of you say, Bill, I've never really experienced the Spirit in my life. Well, I would challenge you on that. I would ask you to explain to me all you know about Jesus Christ. And if you can, that's you experiencing the Spirit in your life. Has there ever been a Sunday that, that through our teaching, you thought, wow, I never thought of it that way? If that's been ever your encounter, then guess what? You experienced the Spirit. Because he, his intent, his purpose is to reveal things to us that we didn't know and to remind us of the things we already did know. So if you experience those two things, which I guarantee you all have, then I'm telling you, you experience the Spirit all the time in your life. And I think we have this, this idea, preconceived idea of what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to feel like but it's, it's, it's as subtle as verses popping into your head. That's a spirit working. You thinking, wow, I never knew that before, or I didn't think of it that way. That's a spirit that you are experiencing in your life. So it's more than just these flashy things that could go on by experiencing. There's a lot of things like this. That you experience. So I would challenge you if you say, Bill, I've never experienced the Spirit on a Sunday morning. I would say you have. And you have to be aware of how the Spirit works in our life. We know, all of the, we know this because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So the Spirit-filled person... Is bearing these kinds of fruit. You can't bear those fruit on your own. There is no possible way. When he is your teacher, you can expect these things to appear. So he wants to be your teacher. And the question then really becomes this Do you want to be teachable? Do you want to be teachable? And really the only disaster in life is to say this, I don't need to learn anymore. I don't need to learn anymore. I know everything I need to know. That arrogance that says, I have it all figured out. And you don't. I don't, you don't, we don't. Because the Spirit, as long as we're here, we're still learning. He's still revealing. He's still reminding. So the question doesn't become, Does the Spirit work? Does he teach? Does he reveal? Does he remind? Because he does all of that. The question then becomes more directed at us. Are you willing to be teachable? Are you willing to put yourself in a position to be teachable? The thing is, if you have a childlike heart, then the Holy Spirit will teach you. He will speak to you. How will he speak to you? Some of you may ask. Well, you know what? That's really up to him. He may use scripture. He may use a preacher. He may use the counsel of a good friend. He may use that inner knowing and conviction that you have. He may use a dream. He may use a vision. He has lots of ways of getting our attention to teach us. So let me just finish by simply saying this. Just let him teach you. Just let him. Him teach you. When you wake up tomorrow, or maybe at the end of the sermon, just say this, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. I'm listening. This is, I, this is what I want you to do throughout this week and beyond. I want you to, to stay in mindful communion with the Holy Spirit. Stay in mindful communion with the Holy Spirit all day, every day. Now, I still don't remember the name of our guide in Florence, but I hope you and I will never forget the the name of our guide from heaven, our paraclete. Let's pray. God in heaven, we just thank you that you have sent your spirit to us to reveal things to us, to remind us of things we've already known. Thank you that we experience the working of the Holy Spirit in our life daily. And maybe we're not even realizing it. So give us the eyes and the understanding of how you work, how you teach us, how that all works. Because Lord, as I mentioned last week, I want us to nurture and nourish a vibrant relationship with the Spirit. So help us with that these coming days and weeks ahead. We pray all of this in your precious name, amen.